Tuesday, September 18, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. And, you know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. Maybe, just maybe a touch of sarcasm here or there. You know, we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you. We have survived our Monday, and we are plowing ahead through the week. Hey, I'm not sure if you realize this, but today... September 18th is actually the birth date of the United States Air Force. Happy birthday to the Air Force. Happy birthday, all you Zoomies out there. Now, of course, here at the Daily Dose, we try to relate everything to the world of sports. And the Air Force has had some modest success in sports, primarily in football, where they play you know, that brand of highly disciplined option football We've seen them do that for a number of years, and we have seen a few players actually go on and play professionally from the Air Force Academy, which is actually located here in my home state in Colorado. They are down in Colorado Springs. And, you know, we actually have seen a few players go on to some success from the Air Force Academy. I mean, you think back to defensive lineman Chad Hennings, defensive lineman Larry Cole. They both had some very productive years with the Dallas Cowboys. Ron George, not sure if you remember Ron George, he's a pretty good linebacker that played for the Atlanta Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs. Bryce Fisher played for a number of teams, but he had a pretty lengthy career, played with the Buffalo Bills, played with the Seattle Seahawks. Like I said, not a ton of success for the Air Force, but usually they do put a pretty entertaining product out on the field. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not going to hold a candle to the new Space Force football team, but I mean... That's kind of tough to do. I mean, Air Force can only do so much. They're not Space Force. Space Force, they're going to be a team to deal with. Like right now, when you think of the military academies, Navy has the most success. Army has been doing it for the longest. Air Force has come in recently, won some Commander-in-Chief trophies. But what in the world is the new Space Force football team going to look like? I mean, honestly, you want to talk about a home field advantage? Yeah, Try coming up here and playing in zero gravity. You think it's tough to take that road trip to like Hawaii? That has nothing on heading up out of our atmosphere to play the Space Force team. Hey, if you'd like to contact us and maybe let us know which sport you are looking forward to watching being played in space the most, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports doesn't have to be about our space force could be you have a question you've got a comment you've got some feedback for the show whatever it might be we would love to hear from you hey today on the show we do have a number of things coming out in the world of breaking news but like i said yesterday i just felt like we were kind of trying to push through and get to everything in a jam-packed weekend didn't have quite enough time to touch on all of the things in the weekend of football that i wanted to get to gonna have to get to a couple other things Today, today we are going to have our winners and losers from both college football and the NFL. We've got to get to all those today. You know, probably the biggest story of the day is the fact that the Cleveland Browns have now traded talented but troubled wide receiver Josh Gordon to the New England Patriots. You know, I said this yesterday. I thought they would be crazy to cut him. They didn't cut him. They did make a deal with New England. In return, the Cleveland Browns will get a fifth round pick If Gordon is not active for 10 games, the Patriots will also get back a late round pick from the Browns. Now to make room 
for Josh Gordon on their roster. The Patriots are going to be releasing wide receiver Corey Coleman. Think about Corey Coleman over these last few weeks. He goes from being a starter with the Cleveland Browns to being demoted, to demanding to be a starter again, to getting shipped off to Cleveland, to getting cut, to signing with New England, and then getting cut again. Corey Coleman's had a wild ride these last few weeks. He's probably thinking he's going to be a starter with the Browns this year. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots, and you have to think about this for a second, they would rather have Corey Coleman and then dump him, and now a recovering drug addict in Josh Gordon over Des Bryant. If you are Des Bryant, aren't you looking around going, hey, guys, what about me? Remember remember me? I, I like used to be pretty good and stuff. Man, Des Bryant, folks hate your guts. And yesterday we did get some good news for the Philadelphia Eagles because Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz has been cleared for contact as of yesterday. They say he will start the team's week three game against the Indianapolis Colts. Not a bad way to come back. Of course, we know Wentz suffered a multi-ligament knee injury back in December of last year against the Los Angeles Rams. He tore both his ACL and his LCL in his left knee. Now, ACL recovery usually takes about 12 months. He's just at the nine-month mark right now. That was just last week he reached nine months. I swear, I promise, I'm not trying to douse the excitement about Carson Wentz coming back to Philly. I hope he is back and he is ready to go. But I don't know if I want to rush him back. Like, Carson Wentz is a long-term investment if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care one ounce about games in September. I don't care that much about games in October. As long as we're not being eliminated from postseason play, I don't care about October either. I want to win games in November. I want to win games in December, and then I want to win postseason games. Hey, I hope Carson Wentz is back and he's ready to play. I'm worried a little bit about the Eagles bringing him back too fast. You know, I heard someone in the sports media world saying these next few games, the next two games against the Colts and against the Tennessee Titans for the Eagles, they're hugely important. You've got to get Carson Wentz back on track. You've got to get these Eagles back to winning. They're not important at all. Who cares? They're giveaway games. They're not divisional. They're not even conference games. Who cares if you're winning now? I want to win when it matters. I hope Carson Wentz is back at full strength. He's a phenomenal quarterback. I want to see him healthy, but I want to see him healthy for a long time, not in silly games in September and October. Hey, coming back, we are now fully into football season. We had our second full weekend of football today. We're going to be discussing a few winners and a few losers from this past weekend. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at a few winners and a few losers from the weekend in football. And we saw a number of each in both the NFL and the college game. And I want to start off over in the NFL. NFL had some interesting games. And it's funny because that first week comes a lot of overreactions, a lot of oh, I think we already know how this is going to play out. We have no idea. It's a long season. Remember what I said last week? A lot of these teams, these are truly, these first four games, they're almost like preseason games. There's still a feeling out process. A lot of these teams have still not played all 22 players together on the field for any length of time. They kind of survived the preseason. And right now, they're just getting on the field for the first time altogether. A lot of chemistry things being worked out. 
a lot of continuity being figured out. Most all teams are still a major work in progress, and they're trying to figure things out over the first month of the season. But let's take a look at a few winners and losers that we saw over the weekend in the NFL. And I'm going to give our first winner to Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense. On Sunday, the Chiefs go into Pittsburgh and light the Steelers' defense up like a Roman candle. The Steelers' defense was looking vastly improved last season. They get slapped around by the Chiefs to the tune of 42 points and 450 yards. You know, through the first two weeks of the NFL season, the Chiefs are scoring 40 points a game. And new quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he's already thrown for 10 touchdowns. Hey, Mahomes has a ton of weapons around him. He can hand it to running back Kareem Hunt, who is a very solid threat in the backfield. He's got tight end Travis Kelsey. He's got wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Those two are shredding opposing defenses. Now, can Patrick Mahomes keep this up all season? Because if so, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are on track for a deep run in the postseason. There is, however, one slight problem. Because I'm going to hand out our first loser right now. And I'm going to hand it out to the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And I'll say this with the caveat that the Chiefs have played two high-powered offenses. In week one, they faced the Los Angeles Chargers and Phillip Rivers. And in week two, they faced Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it was a little odd on Sunday when the Chiefs had scored 42 points and the game is still in doubt. It's not over. We still don't know who's going to win this thing. It should have been over, but it was far from it. The Steelers still had a chance. They were still fighting at the end trying to score. And you're going, wait a second. If you put up 42 points, you ought to be able to win that game. Yeah, not so fast. So far, that Kansas City Chiefs defense is allowing over 500 yards and 32 points per game. Now, maybe this Kansas City Chiefs defense is just a little banged up. And they just need to get healthy. They need to shore up a few spots. And it's all going to be better. Everything's going to be fine eventually. Or maybe this defense is still not very good, just like last year. And that Chiefs offense is going to have to be great because their defense can't stop anyone. We have seen a trend with the Kansas City Chiefs over the past few years. They do it every year. They start fast. They're scoring some points. Teams start to adjust. That offense starts to slow down a little bit. Then we start to see the defense is not very good. And we keep seeing the Chiefs going through these stretches where it looks like they've forgotten how to play football for like four or five weeks of the season. They crash back to earth. Then they're scraping, trying to get into the playoffs. Now, maybe this year the Chiefs offense is just so explosive, the defense doesn't even matter. It's possible. Offense looks really, really good with Patrick Mahomes. Or maybe we are seeing the same thing we've seen the past few years. And the Chiefs are going to go through that bad stretch. They're eventually going to just make the playoffs. They're going to, I don't know, maybe play the Tennessee Titans at home. Be up 21 to 3. And then find a way to lose. I don't know. Andy Reid has done it before is what I'm saying. Don't like the way the Chiefs defense is playing. Offense looks great though. I'm going to give a winner this week to the Miami Dolphins who are now all alone in first place in the AFC East. That's right. Not the New England Patriots. No, it's the Miami Dolphins standing on top of that mountain right now. Dolphins are 2-0. and 
And while they've only beaten the Tennessee Titans and the New York Jets, let's all admit it, okay? We didn't think they'd even do that, did we? Like, we looked at the schedule and we're like, eh, they'll probably lose to Tennessee and eh, the Jets will probably get them. They'll probably start 0-2. And no, it's not very pretty. Miami is actually 28th in yards per game and 28th in passing yards per game. But they're running the ball reasonably well. And that helps their defense because they're getting some rest. And you know what else it helps? It helps to hide quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Now, let's think about this real quick. Let's just say you right now, listener, you're designing a game plan for Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill to have some success in the NFL. Let's see. Let me think about this. What would I do? Uh, Step one, hide him. Don't really ask him to do too much. Just let him hand off every play. Well, that's what the Dolphins are doing. And as a result, they are having some success. The Miami Dolphins are a winner, at least this week. Let's stay in the state of Florida and look at a loser now. Because for the second week in a row, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surprised everyone. They knock off the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles 27-21. to And they once again did it on the arm of backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is starting while Jameis Winston is suspended for, you know, general stupidity. I am going to give a loser to Jameis Winston because Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday against Philadelphia. And now, we talked about a little bit before the season, the Buccaneers, they seriously, they have to look at benching Jameis Winston until the end of the season just so he doesn't get injured. And then cutting him and saving that money they would be paying him. Yes, they're still going to be looking for their future quarterback. But right now, would you be taking a gamble on Jameis Winston? And if you play him and he gets hurt, yeah, you're going to be paying him. But we've got to give Winston a loser on this because he could lose that job. Fitzpatrick is playing out of his mind. Do you realize Ryan Fitzpatrick currently leads the NFL? with over 400 yards per game. He already has eight touchdowns. I can't explain it. And I don't think it's actually going to last. But right now, everything is coming up roses for the bearded one. And that could mean the end of the road for Jameis Winston. He's got to be considered a loser this week. You know, we rarely hand out compliments to our next winner. But I have to this week. I've got to give a winner to Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles, who torched the New England Patriots for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday, and the Jacksonville Jaguars actually beat the New England Patriots 31-20. to Hey, I didn't think Bortles could beat Brady at literally anything. He actually outplayed Brady on Sunday. Brady had just 234 yards, and you do wonder if the fact that the Patriots don't have many wide receivers started to become more apparent on Sunday. Now, granted, Blake Bortles got to play against the New England defense, while Tom Brady had to play against the Jaguars defense. But hey, Bortles did outshine the Golden Boy, and the Jacksonville Jaguars get some serious revenge against the Patriots for that AFC Championship loss last year. And of course, by revenge, I mean they got really nothing whatsoever. Come on. One game was a conference championship. One was a week two, I don't know, who cares game. But hey. The Jacksonville Jaguars can say they got revenge, I guess. So enjoy that. Blake Bortles, you're a winner. I'm going to give our final loser of the NFL this week to a head coach 
But I want you to think about this. He hasn't won a game since November 30th, 2008. Yes, John Gruden has been out of the game for the past 10 years, but after the Oakland Raiders lost their opener to the Los Angeles Rams, Gruden had coached the Raiders to a pretty good first half. The Raiders were leading the Denver Broncos in Denver 19-7 in the second half. Raiders defense was playing tough. They shut Denver out in the first half. Denver scored nothing. Quarterback Derek Carr, he was playing more like his 2015, kind of 2016 version than his 2017 version last year when he looked horrible. On Sunday, Derek Carr goes 29 for 32. He had 288 yards. It's a pretty good day. Like the ball barely hit the ground for Derek Carr. He was lights out. Defense playing pretty scrappy. Gruden was going to get his first win back in the game. The Raiders were actually looking like a slight surprise. Hey, they battled a little bit with the Rams. Yes, the Rams had way more talent, but we know the Raiders don't have that much. They're kind of building for their Vegas years eventually. They were going to look like a little bit of a surprise on Sunday. And then that Oakland defense did what they've been doing. And they allowed the Denver Broncos new quarterback Case Keenum to get hot. And the Broncos score 20 second half points. They kick a field goal with 10 seconds remaining and win the game 20 to 19. Hey, John Gruden, he's got his work cut out for him with this group. They are now 0-2. And the thing that is so dangerous for the Oakland Raiders right now is the fact that you trade away Khalil Mack. And I understand why they did it. Hey, they've got Derek Carr. They had to pay him. They have Amari Cooper. I don't know if you have to pay him, but they wanted to pay him. Somebody has to go. They decided it was Khalil Mack. He was going to demand too much money. Bye-bye Khalil Mack. They send him off to Chicago. They get some draft picks for the future. I get it. But here's the one struggle they could have. You could lose that locker room because the locker room doesn't care about the Vegas years. The locker room doesn't care about, oh, they're building for the future. The locker room looks around and says, what about us right now? We're not playing for the future. I don't know what future I have. I want to win right now. John Gruden is right on that edge of if they keep losing, he could really lose this team because this team could look around and say, wait a second, we're going to be bad anyways. We might all be looking for jobs anyways. What do I have to play hard for? He could be on the edge of losing a team and having a team kind of quit on him if he's not careful. They desperately need a win. Here's the problem for Oakland. And this could be huge. They are now 0-2. They are hosting next week the Cleveland Browns in a game that they should win, right? Or could they allow the Browns to win their first game since December of 2016? I don't know. Something has to give. Who is going to win that game? Or I don't know. Maybe like we talked about yesterday, maybe we'll just see another tie. We've already seen a few ties this season. Maybe that's going to be another one. Hey, coming back, we have got to get to a few winners and losers over in the college game. We finally saw our first top 10 team get upset. We've got a few winners and losers to talk about over in college football. So let's continue with a few winners and losers from the weekend in football. And I want to move over to the college football game because like I said, we saw a few surprises this weekend. We saw a top 10 team get knocked out. We saw a few teams that you look at and you say, you don't have a history of success. They had some success this weekend. Let's jump into some winners and losers from college football. And let's start with a winner. Because don't look now. 
but the Kansas Jayhawks, who have probably been the worst Division I college football team in the country for the past few seasons, have won not one, but two games already. Not only did the Jayhawks win back-to-back games for the first time this decade, and no, I didn't misspeak, this decade, but their 55-14 blowout of Rutgers is the Jayhawks' biggest margin of victory against an FBS opponent since they beat Baylor back in 2007 by a score of 58-10. to Hey, I give head coach David Beatty a ton of credit because he took over an absolute mess in Lawrence. And I'm not going to sit here and say Kansas is now good or Kansas is now a contender. They've won a couple of games. But here's the thing that that does for Beatty. It buys him some time and it gives him some credibility with his players. Hey, if we keep working hard like this, we're starting to win games. Like we're actually seeing success. Do you know what that means to a team like Kansas? Kids that have gone seasons without winning games. I got to give a huge win to the Kansas Jayhawks but I'm going to give a loser to the Big Ten. The Big Ten got a couple of pretty important wins over the weekend, right? Ohio State handled TCU pretty easily on the road. And no, I'm not going to say, and they did it without head coach Urban Meyer because we all know that's a farce he was coaching. But they did do it. Penn State was very impressive. They blew Kent State out 63-10. to A quick side note, I have no idea if Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley can play in the NFL. He's like 5'10". But if I'm an NFL GM, I'm going to find out. I might not take him with a first round pick, but I might find out if Trace McSorley can play at the next level. That kid has guts. He understands how to play quarterback and he knows how to win games. Love Trace McSorley. But back to the Big Ten, they also took some pretty serious lumps on Saturday. The Nebraska Cornhuskers lost, wait for it, at home, not done, 24-19 to Troy State. You know, Sunbelt Conference, Troy State, the Troy Trojans. They went into Lincoln and they beat Nebraska. That wasn't all. The Northwestern Wildcats gave up a 21-6 lead to the Akron Zips to lose 39-34 again at home. Hey, Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, he thought he had a pretty tough group this year. That is not coming to fruition. You can't lose at home to Akron and allow 400 yards of offense to a team called the Zips. But wait for it, we're still not done. The worst loss of the weekend goes to the Wisconsin Badgers, who somehow managed to fall to BYU also at home. Wisconsin, they were looking like a shoe-in for the Big Ten West. Now, not so much. The funny thing about this game was that late, BYU actually kind of got homered by the refs at the game. After allowing the Wisconsin offense to substitute on the final drive, they penalized BYU for trying to match the substitution. Even in a hurry-up situation, you're allowed to sub if the offense subs. Wisconsin got a free first down, and they had a field goal attempt to win it at the final gun, but their fat kicker missed it. BYU somehow steals a win on the road. Hey, good for BYU. Good for head coach Kalani Sitake, whose name I'm sure I'm butchering. The Cougars have now played Arizona, Cal, and Wisconsin to start the season. Thought sure they'd be 0-3. They're actually 2-1. Hey, but the Big Ten did not have a great weekend. They are definitely a loser this week. I'm going to give a winner. And I'm going to give it to Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa for all of the offseason talk about who's going to be the starting quarterback down at Alabama. Was it going to be Jalen Hurts? Solid. He's steady. 
He's a winner. No, he can't throw, but he has won. Or is it going to be the talented sophomore whose name is hard to pronounce? Well, head coach Nick Saban, he tried to pretend that Jalen Hurts had a chance, but it was Tagovailoa all along, and he's proving Saban to be absolutely right in going with him. So far through three games, the Alabama offense is averaging 57 points a game. No, they haven't played anyone yet, and they rolled over Ole Miss easily on Saturday, but they're beating nobodies like they're nobodies. And Tagovailoa is the primary reason. Through three games, he is 36 of 50 with 646 yards and eight touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, zero interceptions. Oh, and he can run the ball pretty well himself. He also has 14 rushes for 100 yards and a touchdown. Jalen who? Hey, Tua Tagovailoa is impressive. If you are doing a Heisman watch right now, he might be near the top. I'm going to give a loser to another conference. I've got to give it to the Pac-12. No, the Big Ten didn't have a great weekend, but the Pac-12 might have been worse. Yes, Washington, Oregon, and Stanford all got solid wins, but it wasn't all good news. Chip Kelly and UCLA, honestly, they look like they should just drop football as a program. UCLA lost 38-14 to to Fresno State, and I realize Chip Kelly doesn't have his players. He needs some recruits, but UCLA is one of the worst programs in the country right now. And you know, remember when Chip Kelly had his choice of schools and he picked UCLA? Yeah, that seems pretty funny right now. Arizona State has been a pleasant surprise so far under new head coach Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. They beat Texas San Antonio and they beat Michigan State. They had actually moved up into the top 25. Yeah, and then they got beat 28 to 21 by San Diego State. Southern California had a big out-of-conference game with the Texas Longhorns on Saturday night. So what did they do? They allowed nearly 400 yards and committed 10 penalties for 100 yards. Fight on men of Troy. But those weren't actually the only losses that hurt the Pac-12. Because the Auburn Tigers lost too. Now I know Auburn actually isn't in the Pac-12, but remember, that is the team that beat the Washington Huskies in the opener. And Auburn losses right now are not good for UW. They need the Tigers to win. They didn't do it this weekend, and the Pac-12 has a very real chance to get left out of the national playoff again. I'm going to give a winner to Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy. Yes, we already know the Cowboys head coach has the best hair in the country. That ain't true! But I wasn't expecting much from Okie State this year. They lost some key starters. They lost quarterback Mason Rudolph. But Mike Gundy, he has them playing pretty well. Quarterback Taylor Cornelius, he has started off red hot. On Saturday, the Oklahoma State Cowboys blew out number 19 Boise State 44-21. They ended any chance for Boise State to do anything nationally. And Oklahoma State, once again, they've got a high-scoring, dangerous offense. They're averaging 52 points a game. And right now, Taylor Cornelius, he might be looking even better than Mason Rudolph. So far, he's already thrown for nearly a 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Now, I'm not sold completely on the Cowboys as a true Big 12 contender. They still have to go to Kansas State. They still have to go to Oklahoma. And they still have to go to TCU, but they're better than I thought they'd be. And we could see them trip up a few teams that might have championship or playoff aspirations down the stretch. Hey, Mike Gundy can flat out coach. And... Like I said, he can grow some lettuce on that dome too. I am going to give our final loser to another head coach. And I know last week, we just named the entire state of Florida 
just in general as a loser in college football? Well, over the weekend, Miami got an ugly win against Toledo. The Florida Gators managed to blow out Colorado State, although neither Miami nor Florida looked particularly great on Saturday. But at least they're off the hook for the week because they got wins. Our final college football loser is not off the hook. And that is because new Florida State head coach Willie Taggart is setting records for new lows in Tallahassee. And keep in mind one thing. They used to offer clown classes there. I wish I were joking. After getting blown out in their opener against Virginia Tech, the Florida State Seminoles came out on Saturday ready to take out their frustrations on the poor, usually awful Syracuse Orange. Yeah, and then the game started. And Syracuse hit Florida State in the mouth, beat them 30-7. to Syracuse held Florida State to 1 of 14 on third down conversions. They held the Seminoles to just 62 yards rushing and Florida State racked up 11 penalties for 90 yards. Now, I realize that offensive line doesn't have a ton of talent, but I'm finding it hard to believe that Jimbo Fisher left the cupboard that bare. This team has a ton of four and five star recruits. Florida State doesn't even look like they know what they're trying to do. They also don't look like they're even trying to do anything. And if they're losing to the likes of Virginia Tech and Syracuse, what happens when they actually play the Clemsons and the Miamis? Now, I don't know if there's any proof that this team killed Burt Reynolds. But actually, I think there might be. This team might have been what did him in. The bad thing is I think Burt is actually better right now than this team is. Oh, no, you didn't. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will, of course, be bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports news. Plus... I think we might have to do a few Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. You never know what we might be ranking this week. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to the Daily Dose. For all of you that share the show, that tell your friends, that email us, that text us, that message us, thank you so much. It is very appreciated. I have to say thank you to GSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday.